Warning. The podcast you are about to experience may contain content that isn't suitable for younger audiences. So, if any of you feel that you do not care to subject your nerves to such a strain, now is your chance to... Well, we've warned you. Welcome to Villainology, a podcast revolving around our favorite personifications of humanity's darker side, and what truly makes them the scourge of their respective worlds. I am your host, Rob Mobley, and we hope you're planted in a chair currently, because tonight's topic of conversation will certainly be fresh off the vine. For those of you that are new here, the basic idea is that I present each guest an opportunity to discuss at length someone who is widely considered to be a villain, and to offer their own personal insight as to why they find them so intriguing. These opinions are totally subjective, and I find that hearing the thoughts of other people on someone you either love to hate or hate to love helps to better understand these characters as a whole. Our guest today is someone whose picture would appear in the dictionary next to the word debonair. He's an actor, a cosplayer, and will forever be the Kaniki to my Danny Zuko, Mr. Freddie Ruiz, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you for having me. <laughs> you just had an amazing run at the Orlando Fringe Winter Mini Festival with a play called The Fabulous King James Bible, which was written by another Villainology alumnus, Michael Knight. Congratulations Thank on you. that. Thank you. Thank you. You know, uh, it was a lot of fun and it's nice to perform again. It's been a while. Oh, yeah. I, especially, I mean, in that medium where everything was pre-recorded, pre-taped, I mean, everybody got tested. I know particularly with, with your production, they had everybody take plenty of COVID tests and isolate for a while, and then they were able to bring everybody together and record it, and it went online, which I thought was the best way you could possibly adapt to the current situation. Absolutely. It was awesome. We took a lot of precaution. Even just us, we, we would be on stage, and then if we were off stage we would be wearing masks again and just every precaution possible. And we would sit socially distant and everything. What do you look for in a good villain? Oh gosh, I guess what I look for in a good villain is probably that thing that makes them a villain. Isn't necessarily like the bad thing. I sound crazy. Not even a little. You're fine. I'm slightly. <laughs> no, but um, a villain to me is some is someone is a good Oh my god, this is, this is hilarious. Okay, a good villain is someone that you can actually relate to. And if you really listen to their message, they could be a hero. But they may have some extreme thoughts or ideas. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I know exactly where this conversation is going. So I'll ask the question. Tell us, Freddy Ruiz, which villain have you chosen? I have chosen... The one, the only, the sultry, the sexy, Poison Ivy! Hello, Jason. I think I've had a change of heart. Oh, quite. Me? Literally. Oh. The animal plant toxins had a rather unique effect on me. They replaced my blood with aloe, my skin with chlorophyll. And filled my lips. Mm. Okay. Uh oh. Mm. Mm. 
with Venom. Oh, and Jason, uh -huh. one other thing. Uh -huh. I probably should have mentioned this earlier. Uh -huh. I'm poison. <laughs> it's a jungle in here. I am nature's arm. Her will. Help. I am Mother Nature. And the time has come for plants to take back the world so rightfully ours. Because it's not nice to fool with Mother Nature. You know, there's nothing like a Batman and Robin clip to wake you up in the morning. <laughs> so... I mean, you were the one that requested doing the Uma Thurman version of it, which I find fascinating. But to get to the, the, the general crux of the conversation, why Poison Ivy? Gosh, okay. So I remember being like eight or nine when this movie came out. So that tells the audience how old I really am. And <laughs> I, oh gosh, my mom gave me it for Christmas, the, like the movie. And I remember watching this movie the movie was ridiculous, but if you really sat there and listened to Uma Thurman playing Poison Ivy, gosh, I had my sexual awakening. I'm gay, by the way, <laughs> from that performance. I was like, I want to be her. So she was my gateway drug. That's the whole reason why I was like, it's really important that you play something from, <laughs> from the movie. And it was such an odd specific but it, she embodied so much of what Poison Ivy is, even just sure. even as a a great encapsulation. Yes, the movie was shit. We are all aware. But I feel like Uma Thurman was like next level. Like <laughs> she was, she yeah, was there yeah, enjoying no, I, herself. I, I, don't, I don't disagree with you on that. I think she was doing the best she could with what she had. Oh, a thousand percent. But it was my gateway drug to the villain that is Poison Ivy. And what I think is so fascinating after I watched that movie, I used to watch it all the time. I can still quote the movie. I actually, fun fact, I actually used that monologue for an audition to play a no sassy, shit. gay, <laughs> demented, and it was really funny and I booked, so... Hey, thank you. I mean, hey, whatever works. <laughs> so I, I don't know. It was just like the gateway drug of like this character, right? That really just wants us to take care of trees and plants. Yes, to the extreme of, hey, maybe the human race dies. But I feel like the movie just said a little bit of her story. But when you go into her comic book history... Gosh, she is, she has been a chameleon of, of sorts, not a literal chameleon, but she even showed up. She was based off of Betty Page. So she showed up yeah. in like Batman, I think it was 181. Yes, it was 181, 1966. So based off of Betty Page, who was a sex icon, uh, you know, fierce, mm -hmm. I mean, still icon status. And what I thought was so fascinating was 
that she used something that is deemed weaker, I feel, like when in her creation, right, she was a woman, so she was sexy, and she would just use her wiles. But something that would be seen kind of like inferior, she used to make herself superior, you know? So I just, I think she's such a fascinating character. And like, she's had so many reiterations, and she... Gosh, oh, I love her so much. Other side note, I collect Poison Ivy action figures from all sorts of different things, sculptures, things like yes! that. Yes! <laughs> so I have her displayed all over my room. Also, like, as she evolved, she kind of got this, like, great story. Her origin story is the saddest one is probably newer reiteration of it. She, like, grew up in this, like, abusive home. I don't mean to laugh. It's just really sad when you really think about it. But abusive home, she had a skin condition, so she never went out. Her dad was super abusive to her and her mother. He would not allow her to do anything. And because she had this skin condition, she never went out. So whenever her dad went to work, her mother would let her plant flowers with her and, like, take care of the garden, i.e. spoiler alert. (laughs) Like, it's this... (laughs) great uh, thing where she becomes fascinated by plants and and she even tells her mom you know i feel like i can hear them if it's quiet enough which is beautiful i love that and and there's something beautiful about it and then the story gets even more tragic when her father and her mother go into another abusive fight that night or whatever and she ends up defending herself and he ends up killing her and burying her in her garden out back which is jesus oh it is insane and i think it's a catalyst for her to see something as beautiful as as a garden is kind of a reminder of like her mother like being dead and like she even gets her revenge later on when she goes when she graduates college and she was like experimenting on plant life and drugs and she's kind of a drug dealer during this and um (laughs) (laughs) and so she was experimenting with toxins and stuff and she got to experience how to manipulate people and these pheromones by studying and she was just such a badass and like later on she visits her dad in jail and he just sits across from her fucking not saying a thing and she had put a uh, the toxin on her lips that is non-traceable, and she kissed him, and he died from heart failure the next day. So she kind of exacted her revenge, and I think that that is such a, like, I think that is a catalyst of, like, how she handles men, and, and, and she always sees them sort of like this brute or uh, not understanding kind of being. She certainly has evolved as a character i mean we had talked about how she started off as this vixen-esque wedge between the dynamic duo to a staunch crusader against human-based climate change in your opinion at her best what do you think she represents what doesn't she represent right like feminism we should take better care of our environment she represents a strong woman working whatever angle she needs to to get what she wants and God, she evolves into this mother figure in the sense of plants and she takes good care of them and she loves them and she ends up becoming this maternal-esque, statuesque figure because she even says she doesn't 
she loves children. She doesn't love humans per se, but she she finds children innocent. So it's it's very interesting when you think of like Mother Earth and that nurturing aspect. And she has pockets of that. Sure. She's not. She, yeah. Okay. She she was. She became this uh, a notorious rogue in Batman's Rogue Gallery uh, of being this vixen, wanting to make sure she cares for the environment and things like that. But in the end, she is a badass, <laughs> and she kind of evolves too. And yes, she you know people always tell me they're like, oh, she loved Batman. I was like, no, 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 no. She never loved Batman. She was infatuated with him because, truth be told, she, he's able to withstand her pheromones. So it started to become this cat and mouse of like, I want to get him. How do I get him? Let me work on my pheromones. Let me release these. And she kind of has evolved too. You know, in the, in this origin story, for instance, sorry if I'm a little like all over the place. No, you're fine. I just love her so much. I really could like go all over the place. But she even worked for Wayne Enterprises <laughs> and he was like, she was talking about her pheromones and she's like, I have something that can get rid of your advertisement team by a hundred. And she pitches the pheromones idea. He is like, whoa, you're, this is morally bankrupt. Like, you know, like, absolutely not. And he said, and if you take any of your research to another person, we own it. So you can't. So she's like, um, what? Hold up a second. So she goes down, she grabs all her shit, all of her research, all of her toxins, all of every experiment she has. And she runs out the building and in turn, within this this particular origin story she gets the toxins on her and her body starts to evolve there are iterations of her where her body turns green and she's been more plant-like less plant-like and i think what's been settled in recent times is that she's able the chlorophyll in her body is able to she's able to control the tint of her body so she could be more green-like. She can be more Caucasian-esque. I think the writers have a delight. Like, she's such an interesting character to draw or paint that she can be any of those things. Sure. So that's the way that I think that they try to decide, oh, she's not green today, but she's green tomorrow, you know? You brought up an interesting point earlier. What are your thoughts on the recent trend of her being used as less of a villain and more of an anti-hero? When was she never an anti-hero? Like, think about it, right? That's a fair point. Right? Like, she is an anti-hero. If you think about it, yes, they use the word eco-terrorist. But she, I think she's always been an anti-hero to me. Even when she, in earlier iterations, I think she was always an anti-hero. She was trying to save the environment. You know, we're supposed to feel bad for Batman slash Bruce Wayne. But this mofo is so damn rich. And she's just trying to do what's right for the environment. And so I... I, I, I don't disagree with you. I, yeah, so the the trend has been very interesting to see her move into an anti... More of an anti-hero. I think there's a shout out to DC Comics because I love DC Comic villains. But I think the trend that we have been seeing is that a lot of these villains get kind of redemption arcs, right? So we start to see sure. the uh, progression of like... 
okay, this villain's not, I mean, with the exception truly of the Joker, because he is chaos personified, I think every, every one of Batman's villains has a reason why they are the way that they are. And Poison Ivy is a perfect example, but you can truly see it in all of them. And you start to see pockets of like this uh, nurturing person because She's partnered with Harley Quinn many a time. And in the beginning, they were just friends. At first, truly, they hated each other because Poison Ivy, she works alone. She doesn't need nobody. I think Harley is someone that she has grown to love throughout her reign, if you will. (laughs) (laughs) But even like going into Gotham City Sirens, I think that is when we got... Not only Poison Ivy as an anti-hero, but all three of them as anti-heroes. And that's when we started to see sure. these women who have their own issues with each other and where they are on the line of justice. But then you, we, we started to see them, be, all three of them, really become these anti-heroes. And I love that because, God, I think all three of them stand for something that I think are young girls... And frankly, our young gay boys (laughs) should see, you know, these women kind of reclaiming themselves and what they stand for and what they're not willing to put up with. And we see that all the time. I think I, I, I see it as a theme throughout like DC Comics with them, particularly, you know, they get catcalled or guys talk to them in specific ways and they they don't sit there and be like, no, they're like, they will start a brawl they will fuck them up or use them you know and i think that that's where we started to see this like anti-hero arc of them poison ivy and you know we started to see this relationship blossom between harley quinn and poison ivy and it's so oh thank you dc comics you do you do bring up an interesting point there I mean, and, and she's not only become a, an icon for feminism, but in recent years, she's become somewhat of an icon for the LGBTQIA plus community, particularly with her relationship with Harley Quinn. Uh, why do you think that is? I think because it was such a natural progression. How do I say this without like coming for all my comics? Because I love comics. I read everything. I read Marvel and DC and whatever. I find that when you write a character that is gay or Uh, and this is my own personal opinion, gay or part of the LGBTQIA plus community, it's kind of, it feels like that's what the character is. It's not, oh, this character just so happens to be LGBTQIA plus. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and and she was, she's been around forever. So when you see this natural progression and then you, uh, when she came out, being bisexual, I was like, uh, duh, like, and and I remember when that happened. It was a panel of Harley and and Ivy kissing, and people were like, "What? She's not a lesbian." Blah 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 blah. I was like, first off, the term is bisexual, and it could be pansexual. She just because she was part of the main story, right? We got this whole arc of her, and then she just so happened to be with Harley Quinn, and this relationship it didn't feel forced it just felt like these two women who were friends found a deeper connection you know and then it was it's been so Mm -hmm. awesome to see 
it play out. And, and so, you know, sometimes it's, it's not always a happy ending. Both of these women are both bisexual and, you know, relationships have ebbs and flows. And that's what I think is so cool about them. It's definitely not perfect. And do I think Poison Ivy is a step up from Joker? Yes. But <laughs> um, I just think, you know, I see this whole like uh, trend of people being like Joker and Harley are goals. And I was like, y'all, Poison Ivy and Harley are no, goals. No, they're not. Yeah. like Yeah, no, that that is an abusive relationship as like a quintessential example. There have been multiple adaptations of this character you had mentioned earlier that uh uma thurman's take on poison ivy was your personal favorite i mean i remember my first introduction to poison ivy was before that movie came out with batman the animated series and it was diane pershing that voiced her and that was my first oh man just just the best in my personal opinion that that's the one that i was first introduced to and really that that kind of set off my love for, I mean, not only this character, but for that world. I mean, I, I like a lot of kids our age, devoured that show. So much. And we've seen her, you know, we've seen her in the Arkham games. We've seen her uh, most recently in the Harley Quinn series uh, that uh, was on the DC app, but now it's on HBO Max. Yep. Is there another iteration of her that you personally find appealing or or that means something especially to you okay so that's gonna sound silly but go with me here no, I'm, I'm here <laughs> you're like i'm here i'm here no what i i love <laughs> i'm what i'm loving i'm seeing recently is uh i started following the dc superhero girls line it's almost like monster high but they decided to do it for dc superheroes and what I've loved to see huh. is it's so it's it's geared to little girls and the protagonists are mostly all of our favorite female superheroes, but as teenagers. And what I love, I love seeing that. I love that they kind of have made them a little kiddie like. So like you know, Poison Ivy's not trying to kill everyone. It's like they're they've kind of made it really relatable to them. So I thought that that's been cute. But I, I have to say the Arkham series. Let me tell you something, Rob. I was bawling. I'm not trying to give any spoilers, but something happened. I, can I give a spoiler? I mean, it's been out for. You know what? Listen, I'll, I'll go ahead. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll say right now. Spoiler alert for Batman: Arkham Knight. <laughs> We're gonna quickly talk about this. I know exactly what you're talking about. Three, two. One. Okay, let's talk. Poison Ivy dying. I lost my mind. I was crying. Like, breakdown. Lost my mind. Couldn't. I had to put the game down for the rest of the night. I, I, I know exactly what you're talking It certainly was a shock to me. Because, you know, leading up and up to that point, both in, mostly, I think the only real uh, interaction with her in the Arkham games was in Arkham Asylum. And it was it, she was taken over by the titan formula and you could tell that it completely just botched with her brain i mean she clearly got better and you kind of heard a little bit about her in arkham city but you didn't see her at all well no well you did would, you, i think you did see her in the catwoman dlc stuff yes that's true i totally forgot about that but then in arkham knight uh she's the first big villain you meet and 
she's the first one that you put away and she's already kind of like whatever about the whole thing, but she wasn't initially going along with Scarecrow's idea. And, but then this idea that she's just like, I, I'm not doing this for you. I'm not doing it for the people of Gotham. I'm doing it because this is literally going to kill everything on this planet, including my babies. And I can't let that happen. Yeah. So that sacrifice felt like a natural progression for her as a character. And I, I I think that's why it, it was such a gut punch because we weren't expecting that level of care and empathy and, and self-sacrifice from a villain or from, from Batman's rogues gallery. And it was, gosh, I literally just, uh, 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 like, thank you, Arkham. Like, thank you. And I felt like (laughs) Ivy got her, her due. And, you know, it was just a good reminder of like underneath this, villain air quote a villain there's a heart here and she's not just it's not as easy as black and white and i think that that i i think it's a good reminder for humanity that everything is not black and white i think we live in a gray there's a gray and there's different shades of gray not 50 shades of gray but different shades of gray But so I, I love I love the Arkham. Oh God, they were so good. I love the animated. I they're really okay. I lied. I almost said there is not one iteration that I hate, and I'm gonna give it to you. Gotham, hear me now. What the fuck did you do to fucking Poison Ivy? It's just. Such yeah, a that was a weird moment. Bizarre, so like, bizarre. How did she go from being a child to being like an adult in the matter of a season? I like, it that was really strange for me. And what? Ugh, it was just so weird. It was like the most bizarre choice because everything, like the cobble pot. Oh my god, he's so good. Where is he now? I where where is he? He needs to be working. I think I mean, that's the thing. There's there's so much about that about that show that got those characters right. Like I loved what they did with Penguin. I loved what they did with Riddler. I I loved I loved how they handled Catwoman, and yeah. I thought Bruce was handled great. I thought the young version of him. I mean, it's weird. That was one of those shows. I felt like they drew out Bruce being that young for too long. Agreed. I would have rather them do like, okay, first season is going to be specifically around this era. And then the second season is going to be flash forward five, 10 years later. And then, and then you just kind of subsequently flash forward into the future until we meet Batman. Yeah. Because that's what it felt like it was going to be. Rob, could you have written Gotham? Because that is perfect. That's literally (laughs) what I thought was going to end up happening because I I did I will say I will admit I did have this idea for a Batman show, and and uh, from what I understand I think I, I'm I'm sure I'm not the only one to have had this idea but the the idea that it's all from you know the cops' point of view mm-hmm. it's very similar to Gotham where you never see Batman the entire season 
but you see what he's been doing. You are you are literally like catching him just after he finishes something or just like before. Like it's it's one of those things where it almost feels like a horror movie in a way where you feel his looming presence on everything that happens. And sometimes you might actually see it from the criminal's point of view where just this wraith comes out of nowhere and just stops them and just disappears into the void. And it's just the cops trying to be like, we don't know how to handle this now. This is, we aren't being paid enough to deal with this kind of shit. Okay, so if anyone steals that idea, it's Rob, okay? But I think that that's <laughs> incredible. What? You see, that's that's where I kind of wish Gotham did that. Because then we could have gone forward and things like that could have happened and we didn't have to age. It oh, it's just so bizarre because they were like, like she grew like they they had different actresses for her so sorry little girl and also i hated her name they called her ivy power powers yeah like just pamela isley why what's so wrong with pamela isley and i thought that that little girl personified everything of like what i uh, truly would have thought pamela as a kid you know what i mean that off that little oh yeah Slightly off, slightly doesn't understand things. Kind of Luna Lovegood-esque. Yes! Oh my god, yes! But, like, science and, like, so fascinated by things. But yeah. then they started to age her, and then I was like, but but then this is weird because her brain is is not as mature. It, ugh, it, was, it was weird. It was, that was the wrong choice. Final thoughts. What does Poison Ivy mean to you personally? Poison Ivy, to me, represents someone who didn't have the best life or the best set of circumstances and was able to kind of pick herself up and empower herself to really become a freaking force of nature. And I love her. And thank you so much to the universe for creating her i love her so much she's just such a badass woman and nothing makes me so happy than a badass woman i love my kick-ass women period thank you so much for being on the show freddie <laughs> thank you for having me i'm i'm honestly so happy someone finally decided that they wanted to talk about a batman villain and of course if you're going to talk about one, I think I think Poison Ivy is easily one of the most compelling ones out of his rogue gallery to choose. So thank you for bringing this to the table. Thank you. I'm so stoked I got to talk about her for a good couple of uh, minutes. I could probably give you a whole dissertation if need be. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to leave a link for the Trevor Project in the description below. What does this organization mean to you, Freddie? You know, it's the organization really, really caters to crisis intervention and suicide prevention for the LGBTQI plus community. And it's a way for someone to reach out if you feel alone, if you feel like you have nobody else. I think the Trevor Project is so important and it does amazing work. Freddie, once again, thank you so much. Thank you, Rob. Thank you to Ross Lamper for composing the theme song to this podcast. He's a brilliant dude. And if you're in the market for any music production needs, head on over to his website at daggerandink.com. And thank you, listener, for carving out a little bit of time for us today. 
If you like the show, please consider following us on Facebook and Instagram at Villainology Podcast and on Twitter at Villainology Pod. I'm also now on Twitch about three times a week playing all sorts of games. Most recently, we've been jumping between Visage, Indiana Jones and the Infernal Machine, and fittingly, Batman the Telltale series. I'd love to hang out with you all, so please come follow me at Rob underscore Mobley. Feel free to give us a review if you like what we're doing, and drop us a comment on who you'd like to see discussed next. And hopefully we'll see you next time. Stay foolish, mortals. Ha 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 ha